Hi, everyone. I'm Mel Butcher. And I'm Michelle Redfern. And we're behind the Lead to Soar podcast. We've got a couple really fun things to share with you. And the first thing we want to share is our colleague, Susan Colantuno. She started a podcast called Be Business Savvy. Be Business Savvy. We highly recommend it. And it's a short form podcast where you hear directly from Susan. It's like having a friendly mentor in your ear. So check her out at BeBusinessSavvy.com. Over to you, Michelle. Thanks, Mel. Well, two exciting things from me, along with Be Business Savvy. Number one, The Leadership Compass. My very first book is due for release on March 26, 2024. You can find out more about The Leadership Compass, what it's all about. Of course, it'll be your ultimate guide if you're an ambitious woman leader. You can find more about that at michelleredfern.com. And hand in hand with the Leadership Compass book is the Leadership Compass boot camps. I'm going to do one boot camp a quarter for 2024 for just six women at a time. And you'll be working through in three weeks. So, yes, it's short, sharp, and high impact. All of the elements from the Leadership Compass and my 40 years of executive experience. So, you'll cover BQ, EQ, and SQ, and you will be positioned to have a career that soars. Again, you can find out about the boot camps at michelleredfern.com, leadtosoar.com, or if you can't find any of that, just drop us a line and we'll point you in the right direction. You're listening to Lead to Soar, bringing women the best career advice and mentorship from around the world. Lead to Soar is a production of A Career That Soars. Learn more at leadtosoar.com. The Lead to Soar podcast is recorded on the ancestral home of the Ho-Chunk Nation in Madison, Wisconsin, USA, and on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation in Melbourne, Australia. We pay our respects to the traditional custodians of these lands and their elders past and present and welcome any First Nations people listening today wherever you are. Hey, Michelle, good to be with you again. You too, Mel. Lovely to be here. Hello, listeners. Like we mentioned in the intro to season five, one of the things that we want to touch on this season is nailing introductions when you've got to introduce yourself to someone new. So let's take a deep dive into that today. For sure. Michelle, tell us about the first time you heard the phrase elevator speech. I'm going to talk about the first time I really paid attention to it because I probably had probably heard it and discarded it. But I would say I was probably, it was probably 15 years ago and I was in one of the chapters of my working career, but I I had a lot of responsibility, executive responsibility for growing an organization. So I was working for for, uh, an organization, uh, but I was very much one of the executive team had to grow the organization. And part of that was being able to go and talk to both existing and new clients and meet lots of new people. I learned quickly that I needed to introduce myself in a way that was compelling and interesting. And I stumbled and uh, not so much stumbled and ummed and but thought, God, my bloody role title is a bit of a pill and it's, you know, whatever, how do I how do I not lose people at the, hi, my name's Michelle Redfern and I'm the executive general manager of the blah, blah, blah division of the blah, you know, boring as, as bat poop. And I knew I had to 
win people's attention, but also their trust as quickly as I could, but certainly their curiosity about who I was and how I was going to help them. So I started researching, how can I introduce myself a little better? I was always already reasonably confident, could speak to internal audiences reasonably well, but wasn't as practiced in saying, hey, here's who I am and here's what I do. So I started researching it. My goodness gracious me, came up with a plethora of things to consider. And I want to talk to the skeptics here for a moment. Why does this matter? Why is it important to have an elevator pitch or pitches, perhaps? Mm -hmm. Why does it matter? Why does it matter to my career, Michelle? So I want to pick up on the second part first pitches. So you are going to be talking, and this is not about selling yourself. Well, it actually is, but this is not about being a good salesperson. The reality is every person in every organization is a good salesperson or a good representative or should be a good representative of their all. It's important because, well, for me, my version is people do business with other people, both inside their organization and external to their organization with people that they know, that they trust, and that they respect. So how do they get to know you? Do they know your job title or do they know what you do? And when they know what you do, do they know the problems that you solve for them? Do they know the value you create for them and the outcomes that you deliver for them? So it's really important for your career that particularly people who are going to make decisions about, are you ready to take the next step in your career, that they are able to hear that you get it, that you get what your positional purpose is. And your positional purpose is, what do you do around here? How do you make my company grow? So it's hugely important. As I said, it it is about selling because it's actually about selling you and your value uh, to the organization. But it's hugely important because what we're looking for is when we're in hiring positions or even thinking, who might I mentor? Who might I sponsor? That we really want to hear that you get your positional purpose. Reciting your, your job title is not getting your positional purpose. Well, and that's that's where I wanted to go next. So positional purpose is something that you can read about in No Ceiling, No Walls. And it's something that you bring up with our people a lot, Michelle. So let's let's take this little detour here for a moment because it's related to this. Talk to us about what is a positional purpose and then how it intersects with this idea of having an elevator pitch or pitches ready. Sure. Well, I'm going to use Susan's words. So Susan Colantuno, the author of No Ceiling, No Walls. In the book and in, in several of the things that, that we do together, she recounts a story of a, of a CEO of a company that used to to drop in to people's lives, i.e. drop in in the hallway or in the lunchroom, in the elevator, whatever it may be, and would say, what is it that I pay you to do around here? Now, you might have a CEO or an executive that might ask you as as bluntly and as boldly as that, what, what it is you do around here. And if you say, I'm an accountant, they'll go, mm, okay, that's not interesting at all. But if you say, I'm actually someone who makes sure that our financial data is in tip-top shape so our executives can make good financial decisions, you'd be going, hmm, this person gets their positional purpose. So your positional purpose is how do you contribute? What is it in your role that contributes to the organization's strategic and financial goals? put simply. So think about your position and then think about your company's strategic and financial goals. And if you don't know them, you need to go and find them. 
and then think, what is it that I do? And you need to map it. And that's that's the foundation. That is the foundation for what we call your positional purpose statement, which can then be used as the cornerstone for a memorable introduction or a or an elevator pitch. Okay. We kind of got ahead of this, but I think that's okay. Where do people often go wrong with an elevator pitch? Like when they draft it or they're like practicing it, where where does it often fumble? That's a great question because I think there's as many people in the world as there are, there are as many answers, Mel. So, but things that I have observed in myself and in others too long, so, you know, hi, how are you? You know, think about yourself in any situation where you're with other humans, whether it's in a meeting with a new boss at a networking event, you name it. Hi, who are you? What do you do? Oh, my name is Michelle Redfern. I know blah, 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 blah. And someone rattles on for such a long time. You're, holy moly, man, you take up a lot of oxygen. So, you know, one of the rules of thumb, and it depends on which thumb you want to use, but one of the rules of thumb is if you are holding a lit match in your fingers, uh, between your finger, your index finger and your thumb, by the time that lit match gets to your finger, your index finger and your thumb, you should have finished introducing yourself. I feel like this is a great visual that you and I can use in a LinkedIn Live one day. Like, actual, yep. I'll actually do it. And I'll tell you what, I have practiced it. Oh, God. Yeah. Because like, that's not long enough ago. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. So, so people can rattle off their in because you know you think about your career summary at the top of your cv or on your linkedin you don't have to rattle all of that off so let me give you an example depending on the audience that's in front of me people say what do you do michelle in fact i met a whole bunch of new people new women on friday night i went out for dinner for a, a networking dinner with with some other business women and you know the question is well what do you do michelle i go i have my own business but my purpose is to close the global leadership gender gap ah oh, really so how do you do that? Right. So then you, if someone invites you to expand, then you can expand. But if I said, well, what I do is that I'm, I have my own business called Advancing Women in Business and Sport and I'm the co-host of A Career That Soars and I'm the co-host of Lead to Soar podcast and I do the Advancing Women in Sport podcast and I'm a board director and, and, and people go, oh, God almighty, you know. Well, not only did you go long there, but you also just stated like it's like someone just stating job title. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what I want to talk about is the problem that I'm solving in the world. And then if someone wants to invite me to expand on that, that's super. In fact, that's, that's what we're aiming for. How do you do that, Michelle? Well, a couple of different ways. I help companies fix their systems that prevent women from achieving their full potential. I help women navigate the system until it's fixed. That's really interesting. I'm a businesswoman. I'd like to get your support. Can you tell me about what you do? Excellent. Because then I can have a very targeted conversation with that woman or with that organization or with that sport, whatever it may be. So your your elevator pitch is a quick, this is who I am and the problem I solve. And then we want it to stimulate curiosity, enthusiasm, and a deeper conversation with the person that you're talking to. Do you want to expound more on how to create that curiosity? How do you make something that compelling? I, I, I think... <laughs> This is where if you're able to be prepared, it is very, very useful. So thinking about the situations where you might have an opportunity to be planned, here's one that I think is a really relevant one that you can be planned for. You have a new boss, a new, new boss is starting next week and you know that your new boss will be having a team meeting with everyone and will also be looking for 
one-on-one time with you. What are you going to say to your new boss? How are you going to plan that? So I think this is where you get very, very planned about your new boss already knows what your name is and what your role title is because they will have received an org chart and yada, yada, yada. But okay, new boss, my role is to... So positional purpose. So here's here's the team. My role in the team is to make sure the team hits these goals, these goals, these goals. Okay. And for as a boss, I'd be going, okay, Mel, so can you tell me how you do that and what some of the opportunities and challenges might be for doing that? And you go, I'm really glad you asked, boss. Here's here are the opportunities that we've got. And we're looking at, again, the strategic and financial goals of the organization, distilling it down to our team or our division. Here's where we've got some great opportunities. Here's some barriers that I'm encountering and here's what it means to the organization if we don't solve them. So this is how, you know, being able to tell people, whether it's your new boss, whether it's a potential employee, so you're trying to attract the best and brightest talent into your organization, Tell me who you are, Michelle. I, you know, I know you want to hire me, but tell me who you are and what you bring as a manager. Oh, tell me more. Oh, tell me more. So you, you're really trying to stimulate curiosity so that that person, the recipient of your introduction, is asking you questions so that you can give them very targeted answers that meet their needs. It, it's the old saying, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. We want the beholder of your message to be asking you curious questions. Because then they're getting what they need, not what you think you have to deliver to them. You're listening to Lead to Soar, a production of A Career That Soars. A Career That Soars, or ACTS, is an organization, a networking platform, and a place for career women to learn and connect. Our founder, Susan Colantuno, envisioned a group that would embrace women from all backgrounds and support one another towards achieving their highest career ambitions. Learn more about what you can get from ACTS by visiting leadtosoar.com and clicking the ACTS link. Okay. Part of what we're talking about here is understanding the business strategic and financial acumen part of the organization that you're working for. And when we talk about business outcomes, it goes back to it goes back to cash growth return and customer or client. Let's imagine that we have a listener that's early in their career. How can this early career person discern what parts of their work are contributing to some strategy or long-term goal of the organization? And I'd, I'd love it even if you couched it in an industry example that you're familiar with. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go back to comfort here and, and talk about call centers, which I had a lot of time in over the course of my career. So as an individual contributor at the start of my career in call centers, I was responsible for, well, obviously answering calls and talking to customers. And, and I think I might have told this story when we were at Leadership Is, but 
one of the pieces of feedback that I used to get coaching uh, performance feedback was Michelle. We love the fact that you get great, great customer service scores. We love the fact that customers write in all the time and tell us how wonderful you are. But what we don't love is the fact that you spend so long talking to them and we kind of need you to get your average handling time, your AHT under control. And I go, yeah, but the customers need me if they want to keep talking. And I don't understand why this is such an issue. If I've got great customer service scores, why would I, why would I, why would I stop talking to them? And my boss uh, at the time was very patient and said to me, you know, Michelle, here's, here's the thing. If everyone spoke to customers as long as you did every day, we need 50 more people because we kind of do an estimate about how many people we need for how many customers are going to call and how long you're going to talk. And it's great. But if everyone talked as long as you did to every customer, we need 50 more people and that's not going to work. So from a financial perspective, we, we can't hire 50 more people to manage calls that we should be able to manage in this time. And if you've ever been in a queue, folks, whether it be on the call or in a, you know, waiting for your coffee or whatever, you're going, man, they need more staff here. Maybe they need to be more efficient and effective for their organization because you as a customer is getting a little bit angry. So and she said, and then, she, you know, your customer then and there is probably going, this is great. I'm having a good old chat. But what about your other customers who are waiting for you, Michelle? They're feeling annoyed and irritated that they have to wait so long. And putting it into those terms meant, okay, now I, I get it. Now I know why this KPI of mine really matters, both for the customer as well as for our financials. So kind of got my act together and, and started to work a little harder. So as an individual contributor, even at the start of your career, know your goals that you're paid to deliver and know how they link to the organization's outcomes. And if you don't, ask. And I've got to tell you, someone's probably going to tell you at some point if you're not meeting them, but ask. Be curious about, don't just accept, oh, I've got four or five KPIs or six boxes on my scorecard. Yeah, whatever. I'll just blindly go after them or not. Figure out what do they mean? How do they tie to the, my boss's outcomes? How do they tie to my boss's boss's outcomes? And how does that tie to the success of the organization? That's how you can be a leader at the start of your career. And to get an idea of the big picture, I do recommend for people that are in the US working for a publicly traded company to go and read the company's most recent 10K. I, I don't know what the what it would be in Australia. Do, oh, do the annual report. Yeah, yeah, the annual report or the earnings call, investor report, whatever it may be. So if you list it, your company will publish a scorecard and commentary around your performance. Okay, let's talk about women here for a minute. So women specifically are conditioned oftentimes to be modest and to not boast. So for women who feel that discomfort, maybe even not naming it that way, but they're just sort of uncomfortable with this feeling of like, oh, I don't want to be sounding like I'm too proud or, or boasting too much. How do, how do we overcome that sort of conditioning and unhelpful dialogue happening in our heads? At the very heart of it, you are paid by your organization to deliver outcomes and that is important. So as Susan says, we want you to describe what the position is and why you hold it. That is important. And then as an add-on to that, and now we're talking a little bit more about authentic and graceful self-promotion, something that a lot of women, including myself to a degree less so now, can become very uncomfortable with. But when you're talking about your accomplishments, when you put it in the language of the business, the language of power, i.e., here's how I contributed to the business's strategic and financial goals, that is not boasting and it's not 
humble bragging and it's not being egocentric, saying this is how I take the business forward. So let's go back to our CEO who drops in at lunchtime to say, what do you do or what do you do around here or who are you and what does the company pay you to do? The company pays me to grow the business. So if I think back to my role when I first started thinking, gee whiz, I I need to find a better way to introduce myself. My name's Michelle Redfern and I'm in charge of making sure that all of our call centres meet your customers' needs and we've got the best and brightest people answering your calls, you know, something like that. So it's how do I make the organisation grow? How do I help the organisation meet its goals? That's, it's such an important thing. And once, once you can have that mindset shift, Mel, it opens up all sorts of different opportunities and ways to introduce yourself and tailor your introduction to your audience. Because remember, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So my introduction to a group of women in a career that soars is quite different to the introduction that I would make to a potential client in the football industry. Again, very different to a client in the corporate sector and it, but my introduction is going to be based on what do they need from me, even if they don't know it yet? What's their problem that I solve for them? And that's how I'm going to introduce myself because I want them to buy from me. Now, yes, I'm, I have my own business, but in the, in my executive careers, whether it's an internal stakeholder, I want that internal stakeholder to do business with me because they know me. They respect me and they trust me because we've got to know each other because I've given that that memorable interaction. Mm. And that's where I wanted to go next is kind of what are the different types of elevator pitches a woman might need? You've just rattled off several, right? So people that are involved with an organization that you're involved with, internal stakeholders that work at the same organization as you do, perhaps someone that could be a potential future employer or someone who could introduce you to a potential future employer. Any others come to mind for you? Well, you know, here's here's another one. And I know we're going kind of off topic in terms of introductions, but how do you how do you introduce yourself on LinkedIn? What what does your LinkedIn profile look like? I've got to say, I see some absolute corkers, um, and I don't mean that in a good sense. I I look at the headline and go, I have no idea what you do. Like the very, very kind of, I I'll leave it to the LinkedIn experts to sort that out. But make it easy for people to buy from you. Make it easy for people to know that you can solve a problem for them, or help them, or collaborate with them, or whatever it may be. And you know, I've worked in enough organizations over time and had quite a number of very obscure role titles that make a lot of sense to a person doing, I don't know, the org design and the whatever people do that make up job title names, but they don't make sense to anyone outside of the little bubble that you're in. And how how might someone know? You know, what was I once? Head of strategic relationship management and outsourcing optimization. What what does that actually mean? What does that mean? <laughs> I know. It, right. So it actually, and that was the, you know, in the HR management system, that was the title. And I went, oh God, it's even too long to fit on a bloody business card. So what do I call myself? So I said, head of supplier transformation. And people, oh, what's that about? And I go, what we're trying to do is really transform the way that we manage us, all of our suppliers so that we can have a much better relationship. Hello. Oh, now I get it. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, we do, yes, you'd be going, you're going to be given an assigned title often by your company. But if, you, if you're lucky enough to make up your own, don't make it too obscure. Make it easy for people to know how they can do business with you, whether it's your own colleagues or colleagues outside the organization. Love it. Okay. I think that 
as a wrap for this episode any final thoughts here on your elevator pitch your elevator speech well the number one is do it so practice and for our members of a career that soars you know that uh, I do bang on a lot about doing your positional purpose statement so please uh, jump on in and and have a look at that for non-members well why are you not a member yet but you can read about your positional purpose statement in No Ceiling No Walls the book by Susan Colantuno And thirdly, just think, what if my CEO sat down next to me at lunch today and asked me, who are you and what does the company pay you to do? How would you answer it? I love it. Thanks so much, Michelle. This has been a great one. Thanks, Mel. This has been another episode of Lead to Soar, a production of A Career That Soars. You can reach Michelle Redfern at michelleredfern.com and Mel Butcher at melbutcher.com. Join us inside A Career That Soars at acareerthatsoars.com.